Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty and I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and, well, I might have to take that line out soon, (laughs) and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. Yeah. 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 You got a little shorter there, Pastor. (laughs) Pastor, not Jeff. And not as good looking. Aw. Aw. (laughs) Aw. Last week I was, you know, hanging out with my family. And this week, <laughs> Jeff's hanging out with his family. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, but cause Last week, you, you didn't have to have a mop in your hand. <laughs> or paper towels. Or paper towels. Yeah. Sanitizer. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Pastor Jeff is attending uh, to his uh, immediate flock uh, who have um, apparently just reacted to the whole Pride Month thing in a very visceral way. Yeah. They're throwing up everywhere. Yeah, so. They got demons coming out of them. <laughs> Just fits uh, his more uh, classic background. Yeah. yeah. Just once again, this is like Jeff's worst nightmare. It is. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> they get this all the time. My, <laughs> my family only throws up like once a year, maybe. And it feels like it's like a quarterly visit or something. Oh, man. So I don't know why they don't get any other sicknesses. It, it's because Jeff worships not throwing up. <laughs> Which I understand. It's a horrible thing. But they, uh, I'm next. God's going to judge me. Well, I just like it because his stories from it are always so very visceral. All of his stories are, are visceral. Yeah, but <laughs> you can see, uh, that same hatred that he has for this illness, you can see come out in such a more <laughs> true way compared to his other stories. So, so I want to hear you do the points from Jeff's sermon. Uh, yeah, it's going to just go ahead and crack open a cold one. It's going to take a minute. Um, yeah. So this week, the sermon was titled Christ's Sacrifice Once and for All from Hebrews chapter 10, 1 through 10. Uh, the two main points, I suppose, are, are this. One, the shadow, which is the annual repetition of the Old Testament sacrifices, shows they cannot purify the conscience. This is from verses 1 through 4. And then in verses 5 through 10, we have the substance. As he entered the world, Christ announced that he was replacing Old Testament sacrifices by his own obedience to God's will through willfully offering his body. And then very cleverly, the last one would technically be our response, a living Mm -hmm. sacrifice. So Pastor Jeff is writing his own commentaries. Um, Yes. So, yeah. He put (laughs) it up on screen. (laughs) He did, which I was grateful for. Um, it was so was Chapman. <laughs> I can imagine. I looked over at his notes. They were the fullest. The page was the fullest it's ever been. My fear has always been, especially for me, with hearing like you, people put the points up typically, but then they start reading the text that it's from, and so the person in the back just throws the Bible verse up there and like, well, I only got three words, and then they never put the main point back up. In other churches, our people have been trained better. Good job yesterday, Peyton. Yes. So yeah, that's a. <laughs> those are the main points, um, which I mean. To his credit and, and, and his defense, chapter 10 is very much a summary kind of component of setting us up for what's yeah. to come. Yeah. And uh, so I think, I mean, those are... Well, and then you're going to conclude it this week. That's what I'm told, yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Uh, and I'll try to have like two word points just for fun. 
because I like those challenges. Uh, before we get too headlong into this, I do want to encourage you, please, uh, if you have any questions, if you uh, are dealing with specific things, we would love for you to send those questions in. Um, some of those we obviously can address a little bit better on cold pizza. Uh, others might we might kick over to King's Table uh, for a little bit more of a, a broader perspective or deeper analysis. But if you guys have questions, we'd love to uh, kind of open up the mailbag and tackle those things. Uh, send those to, to, <laughs> to Jeff. Um, <laughs> not because we don't want them. In this case, we do want them. Um, but we might as well just let his mailbag be the mailbag. Yep. So, yes. You know what that is. So yep. we don't have to put it on the on the podcast no we don't we don't just you know, the trolls don't need to have it well just like um is how ron swanson sent his letter to canada you can just write jeff on your mail and it'll get to him send it to him all right so if i could uh we kind of have i guess three kind of main things we want to tackle from this sermon and i think a helpful piece to start with would be um this aspect of us being willfully sinful so one of the things that he was trying to set up uh, and did set up and trying sounds like he didn't. Um, <laughs> that's not fair. One of the things he did set up yesterday <laughs> for us is seeing that contrast of like the way that we go about things and the way that the priests, and I'm going to have to talk about this some more this week too, would, would go about it. Um, and we needed not just a better version of it, but the antithesis. So where since will is so wrapped up into this aspect of right worship, uh, we we not only needed to do worship right, we needed to do it, it with the right will too. And so Christ's will is a big part of uh, what actually makes this fully accomplished. And he, he opened it, uh, at least use this section from Alistair Begg. He said, the ultimate citadel of sin is the consenting will of a man or woman. Where sin reigns is in our wills. We are not only lost helplessly, but we are also lost willfully. And therefore, those of us who are willful sinners need to be redeemed by someone who brings their will and offers it up in sacrifice. And so in the Lord Jesus, for the first time and for the only time, and perfectly, the truth of substitution is established. And I thought that was that was a beautiful picture of the evil that reigns in our heart, mm-hmm. of how often I, in my sin, feel helpless to it, but I also, well, I also like it. I want to do it. It's willful. Yeah. I'm making a choice to do it. Yeah. So for that, I wanted to pair the reading that we did before the sermon from 1689 Confession. Uh, chapter 15, uh, number three says this, This saving repentance is a gospel grace in which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of the many evils of their sin by faith in Christ humble themselves for it with godly sorrow, hatred of it, and self-loathing. They pray for pardon and strength of grace and determine an endeavor by provisions from the Spirit to live before God in a well-pleasing way and everything. The main part, you recognize finally your your will confronts your willfulness mm-hmm. and calling and agreeing with God that your sin is deserving of sorrow, godly sorrow, hatred of it, and self-loathing. Yeah, I, th- I think we people don't... Um our culture, the the stream in which we're all swimming in is nothing's my fault. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's my 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 parents' fault. It's nothing's my fault, man. By my own standard, it's white man's fault. It's the uh, the, the the previous pastor's fault. It's the school system's fault. It's you know n- nothing's nothing's my fault. Uh, even 
even I think uh, more like perfectionistic, self-righteous people can 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 still do like a it's it's not my fault it's my perfectionism fault you know uh and not not that that's the case for all of them but that can even be a case my proclivity it's my proclivity's fault <laughs> my personality it's my personality's fault or or whatever it's my gender's fault um and what the bible teaches that when we sin it's I mean, those are factors but i don't i don't think we understand that we have the choice if we're not slaves to sin but slaves to righteousness then we actually then have the choice to exercise the will in one direction or the other now what makes us um uh sinful and in need of a of a savior is the fact that we have sinned willfully mm-hmm. and that's that's the case but then once we're set free then the we we have the power in the will by the spirit to to choose righteousness um let's see uh the uh, westminster shorter catechism my my kids we're working on this one right now number 18 says wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein to man fell the sinfulness of that estate wherein to man fell consists in the guilt of adam's first sin the want of original righteousness and the corruption of his whole nature which is commonly called original sin, together with all actual transgressions which proceed from it. Mm-hmm. And so this, this uh, corruption of his whole nature, I mean, the, our, our existence is wrapped up in our, uh, at least in part, in our, in our will. Like mm-hmm. That's kind of getting to the core of, of who we are um, and my uh, faculty of choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, and some will say, well, well, then what about the one who's a slave to sin? Do they actually get to choose? Well, yeah, because it's the outworking of the uh, nature of their existence. Mm-hmm. So uh, that nature of their existence that's fallen and broken is willfully choosing sin. And then Jesus doesn't eradicate when we get when we get new birth. We don't that sin. Uh, nature and proclivity is not eradicated, but the yet. the ability, yeah, yet, but the ability to willfully choose something different, mm-hmm. uh, or to choose righteousness, mm-hmm. um, is is given to us. Yeah, the new birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. Uh, go go ahead. Well, I, I was just gonna say uh, one of the things that we had talked about before was uh, how much we just don't in this particular stream as it deals with the law and its representation of God. We ram our wills up and against the holiness of God. Yeah. But what standard is our, is our will uh, acceptable? Well, because we said so. <laughs> no, it stands in, against the, the holiness of who God is. Yeah, the, the, the by what standard question is really crucial because for anyone who's read Genesis, even if they only got through the first three or four chapters— uh, and with a very elementary reading, would understand that the fundamental problem in Genesis is by what standard? Are we going to live by God's standard, or are we going to live by man's standard? You know, the fancy term is moral legislative autonomy. Mm-hmm. So Adam and Eve are saying, uh, well, we, we can live by our standard. And so anyone who wants to say, I'm going to live by any standard other than God... Um, 
is is not only a fool but is rebellious. I mean, that's rebellion against God on high. Mm-hmm. And but then the question comes: so to kind of move on from that, like where do we? Where does the standard come from? Well, people would say, you know, I think short-sighted people would say, well, God's law. Well, sure. well, that's true. It does. But where does that come from? Yeah, that comes from the holiness of God. The standard of God comes from the holiness of God. And so the standard for, for God's people comes from uh, Christ, who fulfills the standard of God's law, which is uh, seen in the, comes from the, or it comes from the holiness of God. So like I just, just some questions, like do we, do we know, do we trust, do we love the holiness of God? Um, I mean, we could all, I mean, myself included, um, can stand to grow a lot when it comes to understanding the holiness of God, like what, what he actually expects. I, I just think we just, I mean, if there was anyone who understood the holiness of God, maybe the Puritans did, <laughs> but I'm sure they still had room to go. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, John Owen and, and the mortification of sin. and like So, A, we have a long uh, way to go to understand uh, with great uh, maturity and fullness, the holiness of God. But do we? How much of it do we know, and how much do we love? Do we appreciate that? Yeah, because the law comes from the holiness of God, but by that you mean His character, His, his perfection and character. Yeah. So holiness is perfection. So the way that we continue to investigate holiness in our lives would be all of Christ for all of life. Would be all. How does God's character apply? And it's perfection yeah. to everything. Yeah. And this is uh, uh, admittedly a, tang- a tangentially uh, uh, related topic here. Uh, if I was preaching, this might have been one that I cut. But um, do, we, do we then subsequently believe that that is good for others? <clears throat> do That's not tangentially related. That's the point of the once-for-all sacrifice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I mean, to your point, like that's the question is, and that's where people get you know all you know limpristed and, and get a frog in their throat is like, oh wait, I need to be saved, me, you know, and I man, I really need Jesus. Um, you optional, you know, if you want it, take it. If if not, <laughs> well, that's, we that's 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 it's perfectly fine. I'll I'll try to convince you. Yeah, you know, um, for me and my story, yes, Jesus was good. He fit my story. Uh huh. He's perfect, and I, I believe that he's holy. Um, but if you want to do something that's like different than that, you know, okay. Yeah. yeah so we get tongue tied, like you froggy frog in our throat, when it comes to um, whether or not uh, the gospel is is necessary and good for other people. Mm-hmm. Related to that, and maybe even the more fundamental issue there is whether or not we believe the holiness of God is good for people. Mm-hmm. If it's actually glorious. Th- that his standards are what's expected and good for other people. Mm-hmm. So, in, you know, in the midst of Pride Month, like, do I believe truly, fully, and to the extent to which I'm willing to proclaim it, that God's standards of sexual ethics is good, mm-hmm. and that every other uh, uh, 
what's the uh, I can't think of the word assumed standard every other assumes every other um, variation mm-hmm. <laughs> any other variation is not good mm-hmm. for other people no matter what statistics are thrown in my face no matter what experience or emotions are thrown in my face no matter how many uh, well the more they feel attacked the more uh, depressed they feel and the more suicides they have like that that's not that's the, the question comes, do I believe that their biggest problem is that they're being attacked and so they feel uh, alone? Mm-hmm. Or is their biggest problem is that they've rejected the holiness of God and that that's what would fix them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I actually true. believe that? I mean, it's, it's like a doctor with a cancer patient. Like, would you, would you say <laughs> to the cancer patient, hey, 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 hey hang on, I, I don't. Here's some NyQuil. Here's some NyQuil. I don't want you to be depressed. Drink some NyQuil. You'll have a good night's sleep, and maybe tomorrow you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Let's let's forget about the the, the the rectal cancer you have. Okay. Let's just we'll just put that to the side. You know, I don't I don't want you to feel too discouraged about that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's insane. No, no, no. The fix is is that there is this a uh, willful sin inside of you that's mm-hmm. born of your nature, and the only fix for that is for that nature to give way to the holiness of God. For it to say, it's not my will, but your will. Mm-hmm. And I want, matter of fact, I want my will to be your will. I, to be in line with I, it, yeah. I can't define what is good and evil for myself. Uh, back to Genesis. Yep. God has to do it. Now, now, then the question is, well, then how do you and I um, get rid of that will uh, or let me back up. How can you and I break the chain of slavery between the will mm-hmm. and its sin-corrupted nature? Well, well, that's the good news of Jesus. Yes. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But, but if you don't have God's holiness, if you don't have the willful choosing of man, and you don't have the gospel, then you have no fix. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. You're done. Well, you have no fix, but you'll certainly try. And this brings us to the next big point of yesterday. I think it should... So stick around, and I really want to make a uh, a T-shirt that just has a big or uh, grape juice stain all over it. Yes, it's <laughs> part of. Our, and then it should also say, "Is there merch. an oil for this?" <laughs> Put that on the back. <laughs> uh, but this the stain. All the mechanics are like, "What?" Yeah, for real. Oil, different oil. It's about all the crunchy people. Different, different oil. <laughs> <laughs> smells better, usually. Uh, this this stain. Hey, maybe some lavender will fix it. More purple for the purple. <laughs> the, the stain picture is what he's kind of uh, sh- showing for us is his contrast of the the once for allness of Jesus uh, versus our all the timeness. <laughs> we are all the time trying to come up with with something else. We are all the time trying to cover the stain, clean up the stain, say someone else made the stain. All these other excuses, different distractions. And so this contrast of the once for allness cleansing uh, by the by the blood of Christ versus our all the timeness, I thought was was really helpful because he goes on to say uh, that this truth gives the believers firm confidence that Christ's willful self-sacrifice has perfected, purified, and sanctified them once for all. It's removed sin stain from our consciences and enables us to draw near to our holy God and worship. Mm. I thought that that was, was a beautiful picture and helping us recognize um, it kind of in a, in a 
uh, more visual. So your your example of the the low grade fever all the time uh, was was a great picture because I see that in people so often. I can see that myself on occasion. But this uh, more visual picture of the stain that's there, and particularly in the middle of the room on a white carpet, um, that picture uh, of it always being there, and us trying to find some other way to clean it, someone else to blame the stain on, whatever, all the time, versus it being Stanley steamered once and for all, yeah, and you can never spill on it again. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we're tempted to try to clean that mess up in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where sort of Jeff like started working through like, uh, what idol are you tempted to look for yeah, for cause, cleansing? Cause to your point of the holiness of God, that's the whiteness the snow of the carpet. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is we were created to, to sense attention there, right? We're created to realize there's a stain there. Everyone has that sense of there's a stain yeah. there. This is what Romans 1 talks about, truth suppressors. Like, we suppress that reality. Now, I'm going to narrow this in because we're talking here to, uh, to people who we assume are believers and, and have been uh, stain removed. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, a big It's been part. taken. So that's, that's who, who I'm thinking of as I set this. Um, those people whose stain has been removed are tempted to uh, pick up another means of dealing with that tension right so they're they're tempted to suppress it to uh escape from it you know jeff gave some of these examples escape from it he gave a list of examples um or pick up an idol that will make us feel like it's been dealt with and and as i asked in the in communion i want to bring up again um is like the the reality is because we still recognize the stainedness. Now, there's the ultimate stainedness that's been dealt with. It's gone. But then there's the fact that we kind of keep throwing some bubbles on the carpet, you know? <laughs> like, like as soon as they hit the carpet, like, in an ultimate sense, they, can't, they don't stick. Mm-hmm. Like, in an ultimate sense, I am justified and I am pure before God. But... but in in between now and the time I see Christ, there's like splatters mm-hmm. that uh, provide like a functional um, negative effect in my walk with the Lord. Like it's it's a hindrance. Mm-hmm. Um, just like any relationship, when you've sinned against the relationship or transgressed the the standards of the covenant. Mm-hmm then there's tension and there should be like that. That's a good thing. That's, that's part of him working out the salvation between now and, and the time that Christ comes him him finishing yeah. the task that he started sanctifying. So here's the question I want to ask is not just how do we, how do we um, like deal with that tension? Okay. Now the tension's there and now I go repent. But I wonder like for us, if the tension wasn't there in the first place, would we be tempted to pick up an idol or turn to something else? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that if, if we actually lived in a way that dealt with our sinfulness correctly, would the temptation be there to even pick up a different idol? Mm-hmm. Would the temptation be to escape? Well, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. So, so then the question is, well, then how do I deal with that sin 
rightly so that I'm not tempted. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's one of two ways. Um, some of us, we repent of that sin, but we don't actually believe that we're forgiven. And so the tension's there. So then I feel like I got to escape from it. I got to go find something else. Like we've told God, I'm sorry. We've turned, we've turned and started walking the other direction, but we don't actually believe that there's no stain there. Mm-hmm. So our tension stays there. Yeah. And so then we go, well, and I don't think we consciously do this, but then we just turn to something else. Mm-hmm. It could be to a drug. It could be to taking it out on somebody else. It could be the idol of our choosing. So some of it's we've repented of the sin that we just committed earlier today, but we don't believe we've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. But then there's some of us who just genuinely haven't repented. Mm-hmm. And so you genuinely need forgiveness still. Yeah, that, yeah. the tension is right and good. <laughs> the tension, yeah, it's absolutely right and good. There, there's actually a sense in which the in the first example, the tension is good because the tension that's still there is revealing the fact that you don't trust God to have forgiven you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So even there, the tension is still good. That yeah. that emotion is still good. It's revealing to you um, that uh, that you don't believe God has forgiven you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, you know, you and I, we're tempted to find substitute saviors or as Jeff called it functional saviors I called it in communion like our own scapegoat yeah well I like the other phrase that he used to is a distraction because that feels very very fundamental yeah <laughs> to to us actually being like oh that's that's a substitute savior I'm I feel distracted right now I wonder why I ran to that yeah mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I think we um I think that's really kind of how most of us live our lives in general anyways. We don't, most people, this is my opinion, um, at least what, something I've observed. Most people in life in general are not thorough people. Mm-hmm. They're not thorough. They do something just to get by and then they get distracted with something else. Uh, which, you know, I think that's why Paul tells Timothy, teach, or tells uh, Titus, teach to the young men self, uh, self-control. Mm-hmm. You need, and, and not that women shouldn't have it, we should all have it, but self-control uh, meaning like we have to have discipline. I mean, that means many things, but it, it, it means, uh, discipline to finish the task. I was watching one of my favorite YouTube blacksmiths, uh, last night and he was, he put up a a video talking about kind of why he hasn't really done as much lately, which is a little funny from him because he's, he's still done a lot. So that part doesn't necessarily matter to the story, but he feels like distracted and he was talking about how, you, those days that you go out into the shop and you kind of start with this one thing and then you kind of go to another thing and it makes you think of another thing. So you work on that and then the whole day is gone. You haven't really done anything. Yeah. You haven't he, finished anything. He called them putterers. We putter <laughs> around the shop. <laughs> uh, that's but that's that's what you're describing is people <laughs> who just kind of putter through life. Yeah, they do. Now, now there, there are some days where I got out on the farm where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to meander around. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like I'll walk around and all right, I'm going to get that. All right, I see that. Okay, I'll get that done. All right, I'll get that done, you know. But uh, but most of the time, here's task A, and I need to finish task A until I move on to something else. Yeah. And so I, I think it's no different in our spiritual lives. Like we, we don't seek to understand and push the substitutionary atonement of Christ out through everything that we've done and see it 
as the blood that covers it all. And so we need a distraction or we need a different savior. And we, we just take, we take the tension to someone else mm. or something else. Um, we try to offer other sacrifices. We, we, um, try to come with something in our hands. You know, Jeff was, uh, talking about that yesterday in a sermon a few weeks ago. I talked about how like the, the, um, God's people at this moment would have been watching the Israelites physically walk in with their sacrifices and they're standing there with nothing in their hands. Mm -hmm. And so we watch all of the pagans around us walk in and out of their temples with their sacrifices in their hands. And it's, it's tempting for us just to grab something to put in our hands. Why? We feel like idiots. I want to worship too. Why? Like, like for, for example, you know, our, our pagan neighbors taking their kids to every sporting event under the sun, Right. What, what are they doing? They're sacrificing their kids to the god of sports or to the gods of uh, keeping my kids happy or to the god of making sure I have a, quote, well-rounded child. And so what do we do? We feel that tension. Mm-hmm. Why don't I have that sacrifice in my hand? Mm-hmm. Am I failing my kids? Am I not giving them a well-rounded thing? Are they not going to be socialized? Are they not going to know how to play sports? I mean, like... What, 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 you know, so we just be careful. We don't then pick something up in our hands. That was, that was the rebuttal against homeschool my entire time growing up and into my twenties was, well, how do you socialize your kids? (laughs) And now I'm looking at society and I mean, like how were they socialized? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah, I'm not convinced. (laughs) They were socialized by pagan teachers mm-hmm. and socialized by their peers. Yep, into socialists. I, my, my, my counter to that is I think I am quite sufficient to socialize my child. Yeah. Yes, yep. I, 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 I get it. There's a value in them being around kids their age. And is so there? So. <laughs> well, yes, there is. <laughs> Ones that aren't thoroughly pagan. Ones that... Oh, man. ...that have at least parents that love and follow Jesus. Yeah, I am so entirely less concerned about my kids' education compared to their peer group. <laughs> like that's the I like I'm I'm afraid with some of the education push that we're seeing, which I'm grateful for, um is just being a little bit missed over at peer groups cuz man, friends are influential even yeah. in and above teachers. I mean, if they actually are the ones getting the hearing, then it can be rough. Yeah. So, yeah. To your point, though, man, uh, these are things that are so easy to swap in just because we're in that same culture and just say, seems seems good. Yeah. Well, to what standard? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to your point. Yes. So to kind of bring us home, I really like, I wanted to tie this thing together. Um, I assume he did it on purpose, but uh, we'll say that he did because kudos, Jeff. Um, at the beginning of the sermon, we had at verse one point, right? So, but since the law... Uh, has been but a shadow, right, setting that up. And he went on to describe how they had faith not in the system, but in the fulfillment that was to come, right, the future mm-hmm. substance. And we, we know that. Um, and then he closed with towards the end saying that your status is now blameless purity. Mm-hmm. And so in that picture of even the once for allness and our all the timeness, there's a sense of like you have these Israelites coming to the tabernacle with their sacrifice and they're not just trusting the system, even though it was given by God, it's good, it's right. They're trusting the fulfillment, what the symbol meant. Yeah. 
and that was a future substance. And the reality for us is we are we are on the other side of that fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so we should be able to trust in that. But what happens for us, we're still kind of waiting on a future fulfillment, yeah. a future s- substance. But the but the big key for us is that it has been accomplished. So to your yeah. point earlier when you were uh, f- talking about the tension that we have of the fact that we are forgiven, but we still have re- uh, relational aspects wrapped up in that. Um, this is this is the reality though, right? Yeah. You yeah. have now a blameless purity. Yeah. That should that should seal the deal for us. So hope that that uh, is helpful and super helpful <laughs> in rounding out some of the application here because I mean his final point uh, was our response to be a living sacrifice yeah. so because the ultimate sacrifice has been made once and for all for us what do we do now but well, we continue to pour our life out mm-hmm. uh, in worship to our Savior so with that we want to encourage you as always to go know love and obey Jesus as Lord over all and we'll see you next week see you guys <laughs>